0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles.
1: He's Greg. I'm Nick. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by Athletic Greens, the all in one nutritional insurance for your body that has over 7,000 five star reviews. Yes, I said over 7,000 Five star reviews. Also brought to you by our friends at BetOnline.ag, fastest, easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Greg, let's start with the uh, biggest story of the week uh, with the Patriots, and of course, I'm talking about Nikhil Harry and Harry getting traded to Chicago for a 2024 seventh round pick. Woof! What a return for Nikhil Harry. <laughs> uh,
0: yes, you had the appropriate response to uh, the return on that trade. I mean, our look, our long regional nightmare is over, Uh, you know, Nikhil Harry is finally gone. Of course, everybody was like, oh, I wanted him gone around the draft. Like, yeah, that that happens when you actually have a market, uh, when you have a marketable player who might be wanted by uh, other people. And obviously, looking at the return, it it doesn't get much worse than a seventh-round pick two years out. I mean, that is literally – Use footballs in return and for the Patriots to get that for a player they drafted in the first round yes it was the last pick in the first round uh is is uh certainly disturbing and disappointing um you know I don't know how you feel about it Nick but you know to me uh this this Nikhil Harry pick lack of development all that stuff it's even more disappointing when you put it into context that you know, when he was drafted, uh, you know, they were really looking for, you know, targets for Tom Brady and, you know, to really, you know, boost the offense a bit and also, you know, keep Tom Brady happy. And, you know, it would have been great if, you know, Nikhil Harry was like Dion Branch, you know, 20 years later or something like that. And obviously that didn't happen. And, and Again, he's one of those draft picks that, when you look at where the Patriots are personnel-wise and the amount of money they've had to expend at the position, I mean, look at look at wide receiver. I mean, last year they had to sign Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne. This year they had to trade for Devontae Parker, and that's what happens when you don't hit on you know top forty, top sixty draft picks like the Patriots went through for a while, and so um, you know, disappointing uh, in many respects. But, you know, the, the one benefit is they pick up a million dollars in cap space by trading him instead of releasing him. So that's great, I guess. Uh, but yeah, certainly, uh, certainly a disappointing everything when it came to Nikhil Harry. He never truly settled in. Right. It started with the injury at the very beginning.
1: Brady yep. did not necessarily trust him. Uh, So he had that just off rookie season and he just never really got settled. He never found a groove. He never found a rhythm. I don't think the Patriots necessarily used him correctly early on. Then he kind of just soured on the whole experience. It felt and decided that he wasn't going to show up. He wasn't going to, you know, put his all into actually trying to be a Patriot, which did not help anything. So it, it just, it went off the rails really early and neither side was able to put it back on the rails for whatever reason. Wasted pick, no doubt. And of course, people will look at other wide receivers drafted after Nikhil Harry in that draft. I will say, you know, heading into the draft that year, Harry was well thought of, you know, he he was not necessarily a guy that Belichick reached for. He he wasn't somebody who everybody kind of the draft pundits were like, wait a minute, what the hell just happened? Nikhil Harry in the first round. He wasn't that kind of guy. Um, he was actually well liked by a lot of people. It wasn't one of those picks that was heavily criticized or panned at the, at the start, which just really shows us that, you know, a lot of us and a lot of pundits that try to do that kind of thing don't really have much of an idea as to what they're talking about sometimes. Uh, and, and Harry just, he never got it. He never got it on the field. Seemed like he never got it off the field and, uh, he gone. Nobody's surprised. Maybe I'm surprised that it, it took this long to ship him out, but we all kind of expected him to be gone. And and what Does it tell you, Greg, that uh, the Raiders were not interested whatsoever? Even if it was a sixth-round pick, Josh McDaniels Ziegler wanted nothing to do with Nikhil Harry.
0: Yeah, I mean that. That I mean, it's not surprising, but I think that should tell you, like you know, what they thought of him internally. I mean, when you're talking about Josh McDaniels, you're talking about a guy who had the keys of the Patriots' offense and you know was in charge of you know usage for people, and you know he's trying to install a new system you know, his system in Vegas, and you would think, you know, getting more and more Patriots players, which, you know, they certainly have their no shortage of them, but, you know, it's not like the Raiders are, like, killing it at receiver uh, outside of Devontae Adams. Um, they could use, if if Nikhil Harry was viable, you would have thought that Ziegler and McDaniels would be on board, and I think that they, they just wouldn't even entertain a seventh-round pick two years out. Tells you, they don't think Nikhil has a chance to do anything.
1: Yeah, it could have been a fourth or fifth option for that team, right? I mean, you do have Adams. You've got Renfro, who was very good last year. I think McDaniels will get a lot out of Renfro out of the slot. And you've got Darren Waller, who is a really good tight end when he's healthy and out there. But yeah, I mean, you you look at the rest of that depth chart, you could argue Nikhil could have been at least a fourth guy, maybe a fifth guy, but they wanted nothing to do with him, of course. Now we also look at the Patriots depth chart at wide receiver Greg I don't think it, this affects much of anything as far as your top four or five. Harry was not going to crack that. We knew it. He was he was as good as gone when the season was over. But uh now you look at receiver. Do you think anybody else could be going?
0: Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, when we've had our discussions about the roster and fifty-three, fifty-six man roster, you know, we looked at receiver and even this is even before Nikhil Harry. we didn't. I certainly have never had Nikhil Harry on the roster for 2022. He's always been a trade release guy for me. We all knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of uh, when it was going to happen. And, you know, you just, the, the question is, do they still have too much? Are they still going to be in a position? Now, look, the guys that we talk about, they're all going to have value. So the longer you hold on to them into camp, they have some good film. Somebody gets an injury and they're like, oh, well, we need a, Veteran type receiver who we know is going to come in and be productive. You know now the Patriots have something to work with. But when you look at it, you know Devonte Parker's not going anywhere. Um, Jacoby Myers, he's an RFA. He's here for a year. But you, you know, you, basically, my depth chart is Parker, Agalor, Bourne, Myers, and Tyquan Thornton. That's five. That as of today. Have to be on the roster, and five is a lot at receiver. I mean, it's it's. I would say it's it's the the midway point. The Patriots average about four point six uh, receivers. That's on the normal good old fifty three man depth chart. As we've been over before, it's now more of a fifty six man depth chart. If you can find some people, some veterans who you can stash on in, uh, on on the practice squad for the first month of the season. There's now three spots there. So if you assume they're going to keep the 5. If you want to keep anybody else among Ty Montgomery, Trey Nixon, Christian Wilkerson, Malcolm Perry, little Jordan Humphrey, if you want to if you want to keep any of those guys, now you're talking about the practice squad dance. And you know, I think that based on what we've seen so far, I think that Trey Nixon has a shot. I think that Ty Montgomery due to his skills has a shot to to stick. So, if you're talking one or two guys, now you're talking about like you don't have to because you had the practice squad, but you know, you, I think the Patriots could be open to moving somebody. And I think you have to look at Aguilar as the prime sort of guy because Devontae Parker plays the boundary receiver. Yes, Aguilar can play inside. Yes, he did it well with the Raiders when he had his best season. But is that how the Patriots see him or do they want Bourne and Myers on the inside? Do they want to use the two tight ends more? You know, is there any room in the middle of the field for an Aguilar? Those are all questions that we don't have answers to that. I'm not even sure the Patriots have answers to, and we're just going to have to evaluate as it goes on during camp. But I don't think I I would doubt seriously that anybody's slated to be traded before camp. I think more you wait till later, right before cuts somebody's trying to fill a veteran spot with injury, what have you, then the Patriots could have something of value.
1: Yeah. I think Aguilar is the guy, you know, you mentioned him. I think he would be the one that was more likely to go. Uh, He would also free up some cap space, which, you know, isn't as important as it was going back two or three months ago. But the one good thing I would say is the Patriots are deeper receiver. So yes, you screwed up the Nikhil Harry pick. You wish you didn't, you wish he was a stud, you wouldn't have to go out there and spend the money that you spent and trade picks for Devontae Parker and all that stuff. But they are in a good spot uh, at wide receiver. They have as much depth and talent there than they've had in, in a number of years. You and I have talked about it. I, I think Aguilar could be the odd man out if Trey Nixon pushes him. It's you know one of the one of the major storylines we're going to spend a lot of time on, you and I, Greg, on this podcast, I'm sure during training camp time is, you know, what's Trey Nixon doing? Cause I, I think a lot of eyeballs are on him. You know, was the mandatory mini camp thing, just kind of a flash in the pan or does he follow that up when you put pads on and you get really going into this thing, you know, does he, does he continue to show those flashes? Does he continue to impress? And if he does, I think Aguilar could be out a uh, last thing on, on Harry. And, and when you look at the whole situation, where does he rank for you as far as worst draft picks by Belichick? Is is he one, two, three, four? I mean, I, I think we all agree he'd be in the top five.
0: Yeah, I mean, considering the Brady aspect of this and where it was and and, and how they were going and how they've had to overcompensate um, because of a missed um, uh, first-round draft pick, I think I would have to put Harry first. I mean, I really would. I mean, I just think there's just so – there's been so many offshoots him. I mean, other guys that I considered, uh, Dominic Easley, who was the yep. 29th overall pick, um, you know, yeah, that hurt, and he was a higher draft pick by a few spots. Uh, but that's a position where you can you can figure it out, and the Patriots did during that time. Um, they still played well. Uh, I, in my mind, Rossi Dowling, who was 33rd overall. Yep. Uh, I forget which draft was that uh, oh, 2015. Sorry. Up. I was just Keep looking you I'll look it up. Um, But here's the thing. And I remember this distinctly uh, about that dra- 2011. I remember that was one of my first drafts back covering the Patriots. And, um, you know, so the Patriots had the 33rd overall pick and, and, You know, that was the first pick of the second day of the draft. Everybody had a chance to sleep on it, look at who's available. And I remember the Patriots did a video and they got a call on that pick, you know, to trade that pick. And Ernie Adams and Bill are putting it on the board and they ended up saying no. And so they turned down because I I remember that draft and I was like, well, there are a lot of good players on the board. They're going to have they're going to be able to trade down here and get a haul for this pick. And they but they said, nope we're sticking with it. We have conviction on the player and Glass eye like never played for the Patriots. And you know, that was a big loss. They had to go to like, you know, Brandon Browner, you know, he it, it was that was a tough draft pick. I think that um you know, the the dueling cornerbacks Duke Dawson and Cyrus Jones both were Dawson was a 56 overall pick. Jones was 60th you should be able to get a cornerback that plays right away. And those guys couldn't play, never played in the league. And then I would have to put Juwan Williams there, who's still on the roster, 45th overall, doesn't look like he has a role, has never had a role. To me, those are sort of like the top five worst Belichick picks. And you can see that, you know, most of them have been pretty recent. And those hurt. They do.
1: Yeah, you you ticked off pretty much all of mine. I mean, off the top of my head, I was thinking as you were talking, Easily was the guy that that first came into my mind because first round pick, complete bust, did nothing, got hurt, was hurt before he got here, continued to be hurt, was a complete zero. Uh, Razai Dowling, I agree because he was the 33rd pick. That that first pick in the second round is always, always very valuable. And man, did you swing and miss on that? Joan Williams, uh, phew. yeah, enough of him. I think he's gone. So I mean, I think you pretty much went down the list. We we can go through, of course. I mean, when you're Belichick and you've been doing this for 20 plus years, you're going to have a lot of those, you know, that's just the nature of the beast, but those, those are the ones I think on a lot of people's lists. All right. Before we uh, talk about the top 10 players that need to step up this season for this Patriots team to be something, Greg, let's welcome aboard our friends at athletic greens.
0: Yeah, Nick, I got to tell you, and, and this is a, this is a true story. This is no BS. So, uh I guess I don't want to name the player but there's a former player former Packers player that I follow on Twitter and he put out on Twitter one day he said what's the nutritional supplement that uh that you use now that you wish you would have used years ago and I looked through the mentions cuz you know I'm always looking to help, help my health and all that stuff and and I got to tell you this name kept coming up over and over again athletic greens and I had never heard of it at the time and multiple people had said athletic greens. And so I started Googling, I started looking, had all these great reviews. And so I ordered it. I mean, cause yeah, everybody knows I've lost a lot of weight, but you know, I still have a lot of work to do in terms of my, you know, immune system, you know, vitamins, getting those into my system and, and better, just better overall health. I mean, I've certainly done a lot of work, but there's a long ways for me to go. So I, Ordered at Athletic Greens out of nowhere. Everybody raved about it. I started taking it, and I got to tell you, it's my energy level is up. Uh, my I, I I haven't even come close to being sick since I've been taking it for the last like three weeks, and I've been traveling a lot, and like I just feel better overall. I have more energy. I I pr- my body processes the foods that I eat much better, and I got to tell you, I I I think it all has to do. With Athletic Greens. So what is this stuff? It's one delicious scoop of AG1. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics, adaptogens to help you start your day right. This blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. I mean, it's really like it hits everything and you feel it. You feel it almost immediately when you start taking it. And I got to tell you, for me, it's important, you know, with my diet that I've been on, while now I can eat a whole bunch of different things, Athletic Greens is lifestyle-friendly, keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, all goes with it. And for me, big on you know, my diet plan contains less than one gram of sugar. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. And it still tastes really good. It doesn't taste like you're 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 eating something healthy and consuming it. You know, so right now it's the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens listen to this, Nick, is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free free travel packs with your purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard, B-E-D-A-R-D. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Bedard to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'm telling you, you guys know I did the deal with the diet that has worked for me this is the second phase for me so join in go check that out and people
1: always i know myself and kelly do this all the time when we go traveling we always check out reviews you know what's what's the what's the star review i won't stay at a hotel if it's like under like four stars at least you know i'm Mm -hmm. talking about the reviews not the four star hotels that cost a bajillion dollars But, you know, Athletic Greens, over 7,000 five-star reviews. So, Bedard's behind it. There's a lot of people that have gone online and given this a five-star review. It's tough to have, you know, 7,000-plus reviews and have them be 5 stars. So, check it out, uh, Athletic Greens. All right, let's jump to the uh, top ten players, Greg, that need to step up for this season to be something. Uh, I did not have a ton of time to put my list together, so let's run through your list. I I think most of my list looks like your list. Let's start at the bottom. Okay, let's start at number 10. Uh, The the 10th player or players, which will make sense in a minute, that need to step Mm -hmm. up for this to be something, Greg.
0: Yeah, I have the passbacks. So among James White, Pierre Strong, J.J. Taylor, I think that and and, and to give people a little context, this is if the Patriots are going to, you know, right now, everybody thinks they're sort of middle of the road, not sure what to make of them tough schedule, tough division, all that stuff. But if the Patriots are to surprise, if they're to go on a run, say like 2001, something sort of out of nowhere, this is sort of my 10 most important players that need to play well for that to happen. And I think the passbacks, you could boost them up the list. Uh, but I think that, look, James White got hurt last year. While they certainly got some stuff out of Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson and Brandon Bolden, it wasn't the same. And so, you know, Mac Jones doing what he did as a rookie and not really having that veteran wingman that even, you know, Tom Brady used, whether it was Kevin Falk or Shane Vereen or James White, like in the most important moments, Brady could rely on those guys. Mac Jones never had that guy. So somebody has to emerge and be that guy for Mac Jones. And so I think that's important. Number nine for me, uh, Adrian Phillips. Now, his name being on the list might be, surprise some people and not like say Kyle Duggar who I think could stand to take a a big step up this year but to me I think that Phillips is more of a guy I think Duggar we know and I think the Patriots know what kind of guy he is you know he's going to cover a little bit he's going to blitz a little bit but I think that Phillips in terms of how much they ask him to do how he's going to have to read the quarterback how hopefully they keep blockers off of him uh, where, you know, the big guys up front are doing their job, So so Phillips is f- more free to be a playmaker. I think if he makes more plays this year and is able to do what he's best at, I think he he brings up a, a bigger playmaking element to the Patriots defense. And uh, that would be hugely important. I, I was surprised by Phillips on the list, honestly, because I, I think they're
1: pretty good at safety. I look. I I love Phillips. Uh, Phillips did not make my list. I replaced him with somebody, which I'll get to a little bit later. I agree with you about the third running back. Uh, They're eighth on my list in the top ten. Speaking of eighth, let's move to your eighth person on this list.
0: Johnu Smith, and look, we've been over it before. Everybody knows there's no secret to this. No fullback. That means a bigger role for Johnu. He's making twelve and a half million dollars a year. Uh, You know he. He has to be productive. He has to earn that money this year. And if he does that, that means things are going really well for this offense or Hunter Henry's hurt, but hopefully that doesn't happen. But uh, if Johnny Smith has a big year, you know, that's going to be huge for this offense. It gives them a chance to, you know, take a step forward. And number seven for me is Devontae Parker. Uh, And really what I'm looking at there is he just needs to stay on the field and be productive. And the biggest thing is. This, this offense could go to um, another gear. If Parker's out there all the time, he's effective, especially in the red zone, and he's helping make this offense more horizontal to the point where the safeties have to spread out a little bit more. They're like, oh, well, the cornerback the just can't. He's too powerful. Parker's too powerful. We can't handle him with one small cornerback, so we got to put a safety over there. All of a sudden, that opens things up for a lot more people.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you get what you hope to get out of both of those guys you just mentioned, then the offense can be pretty damn good. I don't want to say really, really, but pretty damn good. I mean, when you when you think of Jonu Smith as kind of the X factor within this offense and all the different things he might be able to do, you know, all the stuff we talked about last season, oh, he's going to be in the backfield every once in a while. And they're going to be able to do this and do that and two tight ends. And not much of that came to fruition. If it comes to fruition this year, man, is he a weapon. And Parker just gives this football team a different element than they've had in the passing game in, in quite some time. Again, that big boundary guy who can make contested catches. Th- this is the person they wanted Nikhil Harry to be. Like the, when they drafted Harry, they thought he might be that dude. Contested catches, red zone, bigger guy, bigger threat. So if if Parker can can fill that role, then they really have every single piece of the puzzle outside of you know maybe you'd say a, a quick footed slot receiver of like the Wes Welker days kind of mold, but, but they really do have everything else you want in this receiving core. All right, let's move to a uh, number six on your list, Greg.
0: Yeah. I have Devon Godchow and you can make the argument that he should be further up the list. And I probably wouldn't argue with you. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later, but uh, again, another guy, who, it's not a secret. The Patriots have to defend the run better. Um, it has to, they have to get opponents into longer yardage, which should be able to get let them get into their sub package, which they're where they do have some personnel advantages. Against offenses, and that should get them off the field and get the offense more possessions, which was a problem at times last year. That the offense was not getting, was being productive, but not getting the ball enough because the Patriots could not stop the run and get off the field. So you know, Godshows the linchpin of that. They didn't make any further investment at in nose tackle, didn't even draft anybody. You know, it's basically all on him on there. And you know, he was he was okay his first year, but he needs to be very good for this defense and and you know that leads me into and it's related number five I have Raquan McMillan and Mac Wilson uh depending on you know who emerges right now looks like it's going to be McMillan but we know Bentley's going to be one of the linebackers uh he knows the system they feel comfortable with him uh you know now they need he needs an athletic running mate and and that would help Bentley a lot that's also going to depend on the guys up front but I think You know, especially after Dante Hightower, after Jamie Collins, after Kyle Van Noy, you know, they basically jettison those those veterans to get more athletic and somebody is going to have to show up in that regard. I mean, Cameron Grone could do it. He's a bit of a dark horse there. But I think those two guys, McMillan and Wilson, are uh, the best candidates to sort of make an impact on the second level.
1: Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of what you just said, I, I had gotcha. I had McMillan slash Wilson on my list as well. I just moved each each of them up a spot. I've got gotcha at five. I've got McMillan Wilson at four That second linebacker is going to mean a lot. Can can the person actually be able to cover running backs out of the backfield? Can they maybe take some tight ends at times? Can they handle the run game? Can they go sideline to sideline like this team desperately needs as we've seen against the Bills? And Godchild, you hit every every mark on that. You know he, he's just got to be better. I mean, he's got to be the guy they thought they were bringing in. He's got to hit this year. They they didn't address it, so they feel confident that he's going to be able to do that. Will he? We'll have to wait and see. All right, number four on your list, Greg.
0: Yeah, I have Jalen Mills, and some people might say, well, you know, what about Malcolm Butler? What about the? quote-unquote, number one cornerback. Why are you talking about the number two cornerback? Well, I think the Patriots will be fine at slot if Jonathan Jonathan Jones should be back healthy. He's one of the better slot cornerbacks in the league. I think when you talk about number one cornerback, you know, if you don't have a stud you're going to have to help them anyways. And so it looks with with the safety. So it looks like the Patriots are going in that direction and they certainly have enough safeties uh, to get involved. So I think they'll figure that out. I mean, will it be lockdown? Will it be JC Jackson-esque? I, I don't know. I doubt it, but I think they can, they can figure it out. But only if Jalen Mills at number two is really solid and they don't have to worry about him and don't have to give him a ton of help. Um, you know, I thought that he did that at times last year. I think he's going to need to be even better in year two. I think he, he stands a chance. But I think, you know, if you get Jonathan Jones and, and Jalen Mills to give you really good play, then you can figure out the other cornerback spot. So that's why to me, I know I have no no doubts about Jones. It's Mills who's really going to have to do the job. I've got both outside corners on my list. I've got outside cornerback
1: number two slash one, whatever the hell you want to call it at seven. And I've got Mills at three on my list. I've got him bumped up one spot than you do. And look, I mean, if, if Mills, you, everybody that listens to this podcast by now knows that I'm not the biggest fan of Mills. He's okay. Not a big fan of him. uh, Afraid of him on the outside, afraid of him blowing some plays, giving up big plays, committing some penalties. If Mills is not good, you don't know what you have in the other corner right now. Terrence Mitchell, Malcolm Butler, Jack Jones. We have no clue what's going to happen. I, I mean, if Mills is bad, this, this cornerback position could implode quickly. And the Patriots can't afford that in 2022 with passing games at an all-time high. So Jalen Mills is third on my list. Uh, outside cornerback two is seventh on my list. We've got the same top two. So let's just hit him
0: starting at two, Greg. Uh, did you, uh, I just want to mention Uche real quick that he was at number three for me and just, Oh yeah, sorry, Uche, my bad. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. I just thought, I, I just put, look, we know Dietrich Wise slash Henry Anderson is going to be the starter against in base opposite Matthew Judon. That's what we think is going to happen, you know, but it's really going to come down to sub and you, you know, the, the effectiveness of the Patriots sub package on defense, if they can get there, if the run defense works is going to be hugely important. And so you know, you look at Dietrich Wise um, kicking inside on third downs, somebody's going to have to come in and be dangerous. And we've heard Steve and Bill Belichick both talk about Uche being a big puzzle piece. Well, you know, he's he's going to have to deliver. He's going to have to be dangerous and athletic on the outside opposite Judon so he doesn't get double teamed all the time and chipped. If, if Uche can do that, then I think, the Patriots have a chance to be pretty good on defense. And that leads us into the top two. We both had the same. Number two for me is Trent Brown. Uh, It looks like they're going to put him at left tackle. That's the way they worked all offseason. Win at right tackle, you know, that's great. Uh, You look back to what Trent Brown was at left tackle his first time with the Patriots. He was a very good left tackle. If they get that type of play, if he is on the field all the time, and you put Cole Strange between a, a very good Trent Brown and David Andrews, that helps the rookie. You feel good about the left side. It's never going to be perfect, but you feel good about it. However, if the Trent Brown we get this year is the Trent Brown we got last year, in and out of the lineup, in and out of, you know, I, I don't know how much he wanted to be there at times. If they get that at left tackle, it could be a freaking disaster. Trent Brown, yep. they need Trent Brown to be out there all the time and playing really good football and if they have a, if they have a chance to do that they get that then i think they can be very good and that leads to number 1 you know mac jones and he, they're putting a lot on him with the coaching all that stuff what's going on with the offensive line um, provided everything else is good and all the things previously on the list go well then you need to cap it off with the quarterback and, and, you know, the Patriots probably aren't going to blow out a lot of teams. It's going to be a lot of close games. That means he's going to have to execute uh, without Josh McDaniels in the biggest moments. And if Mac Jones can do that and sort of be, you know, Tom, Tom Brady in the early days and really manage everything and be a great game manager, come through in the clutch at times, then, yeah, then we're talking about a 2001 redo.
1: I had Uche, by the way, at six on my list, and I pretty much agree everything, with everything that you said about Brown and, and Mac Jones being two and one. Uh, the only thing that I, the only person I had on my list that was uh, different than you, uh, I actually had Cole Strange in there. I think you know mm-hmm. because of where he was drafted, uh, the fact of that left side on the offensive line to go along with Trent Brown, Strange has got to be good. He doesn't have to be great, but he's got to be good because if he falls apart. And Trent Brown is mediocre. Now the entire blind side of your offensive line with your young quarterback is the drizzling shits. So you you certainly don't want that to happen. So I've got Cole Strange in there. I took out Devontae Parker. I think they'll be fine at wide receiver even if Parker mm-hmm. doesn't hit. So I replaced Parker with Strange. All right, uh, before we continue, because we have more for you, uh, tell the good people out there, Greg, about betonline.ag.
0: Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including uh, MLB bets, futures for the NBA, NFL, hockey. Now that hockey's got their hot stove going on right now, a lot of a lot of lines are moving. Patriots made a deal for some. Schlub from New Jersey, Straka, or something like that. Uh, and, you know, who knows about their, uh, you know, old fogey team that they're putting together. I thought, I think uh, I was surprised that Bobby Orr, somebody should check in, see how his knees are, because that's the way hey. they're going. Anyways. <laughs> Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoff, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet Online, where the game starts.
1: Yeah, so uh, I know you took a little bit of a shot at this guy, but yeah, uh, just a little cattle's corner for a minute or two. Uh, Pavel Zaka traded to the Bruins for Eric Holla. Uh He was a sixth pick in the 2015 draft. you hate to bring up that draft for Bruins fans because we all remember what happened there? Uh, but they, they brought a guy in that was a top six pick in the 2015 draft. They got one. They traded Holla for him. Uh, you know, it's a sell high on Holla kind of move. It, it looks Holla. like, Holla, it looks like Krejci's coming back and, and this move would make <sighs> you believe that because Zaka is, you know, he's a center. He can play some wing. Uh, he's young though he's young he's got potential uh, you look at that you know situation with the devils was it because where he was playing so i actually like the move i think it makes sense i don't think hala has any higher of a ceiling than we saw this past season so you bring in a guy who was highly touted coming out somebody who had his best season last year i think he had like 36 points i believe last season so he did have his best season in the nhl last year uh, he's 24 25 years old so I don't mind it. Uh, I wanted to ask you though, Greg, it, there, there's some mixed reporting about Bergeron right now. Yesterday mm-hmm. uh, we had a French report saying that Bergeron was coming back on a one-year deal. Today we, we had another French reporter saying that uh, Bergeron spoke to him and said he has not decided yet what he wants to do. But let's say that Berge comes back, right? And and you have Berge coming back. You have DeBrusque rescinding his trade request. And it looks like you're having Krejci come back. And Reportedly, a lot of this has to do with Bruce Cassidy. Do you feel any differently about the decision to let Cassidy walk and replace him with Montgomery now that you see some of these players saying, yeah, I just didn't want to play for that guy anymore?
0: Uh, it's, it, that's a tough question, Nick. Um, uh, I think the world of Bruce Cassidy, um, you know, he's the... It, outwardly I think he's he's a guy that I would love to play for um the type of coach I would like to be you know tell it like it is be straight uh with your guys I I, look this is where I am with the Bruins um I know there's a lot of Bruins fans that are excited you know Bergeron's coming back Krejci's coming back whatever I'm just I'm hugely disappointed in the franchise overall I mean I, I just I think they're just treading water. They're putting off the inevitable just to make the playoffs and and you know not totally go in the tank. If I'm if I'm the Bruins, I'm selling as many pieces as possible. I'm sucking for Connor Bedard because um, great last name, great hockey player. Um, I'm doing all that stuff and I'm just go, I'm rebuilding, you know, and I'm keeping, you know, even if that means trading Pasternak. You know, I'm building around McAvoy and Swayman and things like that. But like this is just. Ha- If anybody watched the NHL playoffs and family Bedard, we watched almost the entire thing. And my son's a huge Kale McCarr fan. If you think the Bruins with what they're bringing back, let alone if these guys even remain healthy, which all of them have had health issues previously, even before they're a year older, even if they're perfectly healthy, the Bruins do not play the same brand of hockey as the Avalanche, the Oilers, the Rangers, the Lightning. Like they can't compete. So I, I just don't understand the point. They are just trying to tread water, make the playoffs. I feel like I'm back in my my childhood days with Harry and running things, where they're not going anyplace. It's just and changing coaches every other year is just dumb in my opinion.
1: If they if they at least
0: <clears throat> there goes my voice
1: apparently, uh if they at least try to um thread that needle which is a very difficult needle to thread which is to not only uh you know rebuild on some, the fly yeah re, re, re keep some of the older guys like a like a bergy i'm fine with Bergie hanging around just because he's still damn good and, and because he's such a great yep. eater while they make some other moves like you know maybe you think about trading marshy when he comes back and yep. if he looks help, um if they try to do it that way then it makes more sense. If this is, hey, we're going to try to just come back and bring back the band, uh, it, that doesn't make much sense. That's why I actually like this move today because you are getting younger and it's a position of need, bringing in Zaka, you're taking a flyer. Now, the one thing about Zaka is, uh, I believe he's a restricted free agent, so they got to figure out the contract with him. That That's that's going to be one of those uh, you know, gambles. It, it is a gamble move, but because it was Hala, I'm fine with it. I do feel... To answer the question I asked you, I, I do feel slightly different about Cassidy being let go if Bergeron comes back, especially because I, I just have so much damn respect for Bergie. And he does yeah. everything the way. And he's a guy in that dressing room, Greg, that would be like, no, this isn't right. This this guy is not right if Bergie tells me Cassidy's not right for the team. And if that comes out that, you know, that was one of the major reasons why he was thinking of leaving. If Bergie comes back and feels more comfortable without Cassidy there out of my respect for Bergie, I would, I would say, okay, maybe it was the right move getting rid of him. Because if, if Patrice Bergeron is tired of your ish, then that means a lot of dudes in that dressing room are tired of your ish. So the Bergey sure. thing is, I mean, the debrusting, thing, not as much because Debrusk is younger and all that jazz, but Bergeron's the one. All right, let's jump to the uh, BostonSportsChannel.com member question of the day. Check them out, BSJ, $39.99 on their annual plan. Uh, not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports, uh, but if you're Pat's junkie, which you are, uh, you get a ton of video analysis, Badar does in the coach's film, direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, let's see, Pat North Attleboro, uh, his question. I would sneak Barmore in here somewhere as well, talking about your top 10 list, Greg. Uh, need him to make the leap like Mac, but on the defensive side. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I just, I disagree with that. I mean, you know, look, I think um, Barmore had a tremendous rookie campaign. And, Tremendously um,
1: tremendous, as Eddie
0: O would say. <laughs> I just think that if the Patriots get that level of play from him, uh, again, they'll be fine. I don't think he needs to go up a level, and I don't think... I don't even know if he's that type of player, and I don't think they need him to become, say, a three-down player. I don't—not the way they're constituted. If Devon Godshaw plays well, if Lawrence Guy isn't on the downside, you know what have you? I just think if Barmore can be a really effective pass rusher like he was last year, then I think the Patriots will be fine. So I just don't think Barmore needs to go up a level. He, he exceeded expectations last year if he can match those this year. And it's always tough for a rookie who has success year one to match it in year two. So it's something to watch. But if they get that again from him, I think they're just fine.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think Barmore like uh, I don't know if you expect him to, to make a leap, then how good is he? He, that would be like Aaron Donald. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like he was really good last year. If he makes a leap, then he's like top three defensive lineman in the NFL. Which hey, I wouldn't be arguing about it. And mm-hmm. if he's gonna make that kind of a leap and be a top three guy. I'm all for it. Go Christian Barmore. Go go Barmore. But uh, yeah, I, I think there. You know, I agree with you. Bar- Barmore, uh, you would like to see him improve, but to make the leap might be a little too much to ask from him. Uh, The Greg Bedard Patriots podcast, Nick Cattles, brought to you by our new friends, Athletic Greens. Greg told you all about them. The all-in-one nutritional insurance for your body that has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Also, thanks to uh, BetOnline.ag, fastest, easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. He's Greg. I'm Nick. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. We'll catch you next week.